Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new podcast. I hope you guys are excited as I am. This is so awesome. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. I'm also super happy to be here with my fellow co-hosts, but we'll get to them in just a few seconds. Just want to let you guys know, thank you so much for tuning in to Three Blokes, One Console. That's right. Everything and anything gaming, it is going to be a super fun podcast. We've got a lot of amazing segments set up for this first little podcast of ours, and we hope that you guys are going to love it so much that you press start for the next episode. Anyways, I am Chad Michael Bowden. You can catch me over on the Unsighted Radio, but obviously it's not all about me. It's also about my fellow friends. Of course, you know him and love him. He is the CEO and owner of Adapt IT, Mr. Simon O'Gorman. And also, we've got the real grumpy dad himself. You've heard him on the Grumpy Gets podcast. It is Chris Lee Smith. Hello, hello. How's it going? Welcome. I wow, miss, this is exciting, intro. is it? This is our first episode. This is really, really exciting. I can't, I mean, let's throw the intros out of the way. I want to get to it. I want to start discussing. So, it, you know, this part isn't fun. This, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The intro part's just like, oh God, it's, you know, you, you feel yeah, like- let's, let's just throw it away. No one wants to hear that. No one <laughs> no. wants to, they want to hear right. what we've got to say. All right, all right. No tutorials. We're just getting into this. <laughs> um so yeah we um we're gonna just get into the topic of the day and obviously you know i was looking through some just headlines because i'm kind of guy that just likes to see what's going on in the world of gaming on all levels all platforms and you know there are a couple that we can choose from to do the topic but i think one of them would actually be a great um discussion point for our what we're calling the serious sam subject so i think i'm gonna leave phil spencer commenting on redfall because i think for you chris it's something that you are very passionate about recently um and talks we've had so i think you know let's stick with um you know what let's do e3 so for those of you that don't know much about gaming, there has always been this event. I mean, guys, it's been around since the 90s, maybe even before the 90s, um, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3, as it is um, known, it's abbreviated as. It's, you know, it has been one of the largest kind of expos for people to go to physically test out games. You know, that's where a lot of these big game announcements come from. It just kind of hypes people up to what's going to happen, not just for the rest of the year, but even the next couple of years. And it's just been kind of that foundational thing that's been a part of gaming for so long. But obviously, with the pandemic, it hasn't had a physical event for over three, four years now. And they were hoping that 2023 would be the year that they bring back the E3 event. And unfortunately, as of March of 2023, they announced that it was going to be canceled. Um, as early as January of this year, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony all basically said, we're not coming. We're doing our in our own in-home events. You know, got state of play, um, you know, direct. So we're out. And unfortunately, there just wasn't enough interest for Repop to basically say there's a reason to do this and basically to spin this forward and kind of to a topic to talk about 
is, you know, it's a little bit of a magic being lost when it comes to video games. You know, I always look forward to E3. It's always been something that I love the most. It always gets me excited for the rest of the year. Of course, the next couple of years to come out. Uh, maybe I'll find some games that I didn't even know about and want to follow along. And, you know, obviously, as someone who's been playing games, we've all been playing games since, you know, way before the 2000s. And maybe this is just, you know, this nostalgia glasses on. But I feel like this is kind of like a little bit of the magic being lost when it comes to gaming. I don't know. What do you guys think about E3 being canceled and perhaps never coming back? I I I I was looking at this, and I I think this is a trend that we're going to see a lot more of. Actually, um, back in twenty two, apparently the gaming market dropped six percent. Where you think, well, you know, they're they're getting billions of dollars a year, but that's actually quite a large drop. And when you think for a company like Microsoft or Nintendo, PlayStation, all of who dropped out of E three this year, um, you know, that's hundreds of thousands of pounds which they don't have to spend attending that show, knowing that actually with their internal marketing engine, the fact that they're focusing a lot on, you know, big graphic extravaganzas, that uh, I, I think these sort of shows may start to die a little, um, simply because the, the larger organizations kind of feel that they don't need to do it anymore. Um, I, I think we're seeing that trend across a, an awful lot of markets at the moment, but I, I think it's a shame because I think it's a loss to the gaming community because, you know, not very often do you as a gamer actually meet people in real life and these kind of exhibitions and shows give you that opportunity to hang out with your friends, you know, play games alongside of each other, which, you know, we'll, we'll come on to later, used to be sort of the only way that you could play, right? Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's a really big shame, but uh, I fear that it is a trend that may uh, become consistent moving forwards. I had the, uh, I had the same opinion, maybe going back as far as 10 years, um, I, I certainly had the same opinion as as you have, Simon, but I feel that it's been more and more apparent that E3 has essentially acted as kind of a middleman for what the the big, you know, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo. And as we develop with technology and, you know, things can be streamed uh, and, and if they wanted to tap into it, PlayStation, they could do it through VR. Mm. Um it's also it's lost its magic because I feel and we we've spoken about this particular subject before that with the studios under so much pressure because of money and they have to get these things out. I'm finding with a lot of the E3 exclusive, uh, sorry, the E3s that are announced at these events that they never live up to what's actually being introduced you know this fireworks you know huge like loads of money spent on these kind of cgi um movies that have really not a great deal to do with the game itself there's no kind of gameplay and when it comes to the actual release you know if it doesn't get delayed constantly it's really really 
underwhelming. You know, it's so overhyped. And I think E3 played a part in that. You know, they, they want to showcase it. They want to build the hype. And E3 was the place. But I can't remember a title that was hyped up and lived to that expect uh, the expectation. A prime example was Cyberpunk. <laughs> when people saw that, you know, especially after Witcher, people saw that and they were like, this is this is the second coming of gaming. This is going to be huge. Look at the studio, their track record. Look at what they did with Witcher 3. Look at the, the graphics and all this. E3, and then suddenly it came out and it bombed. I just, I don't think E3 is needed anymore. No, I mean, I think those are very valid points. And honestly, that's, you know... As much as I hate seeing it go because it's always such an event, you know, for me, I throw my own little, like, mini isolated party, <laughs> you know, watch it, uh, you know, online and everything. So, you know, it's always been a, a fun event for me. But, yes, I, I do agree. And I believe in today's market of gaming and what we're moving towards more and more um, as the years go by. Absolutely, I do think it's kind of lost its place um, because obviously now, um, as we've talked about, it it is cheaper and more affordable for them to do an in-house production to basically just stream it to where everyone can have access to it. Um, you know, I think the only thing that I hate about it is, you know, we're losing the physical event, which obviously you can't like actually go to a place, try out the games, talk with fellow gamers. You know, there's just a difference in that and then hanging out in a chat room talking to people you can still have fun obviously but i just you know i think a little bit of the experience is lost as we move more and more into a digital society but obviously that is something that we have to accept because it is just the environment of the entire world i think one thing that uh, would be great to discuss at some point is do you feel that that may then drive to more localized groups and create you know smaller events that people put on themselves i mean if you look at the the uk equivalent which is insomnia which is in birmingham twice a year the the biggest part of that show is the land party where people just bring their own computers along it's not the stalls anymore and yet they have some great esports but you know it's not to the the scale that you have in america um and when i went there a couple of months ago um it was it was dead and uh, I took my son along and his viewpoint was, well, why do I need to come here? You know, uh, I can meet my mates down the road and I can play with all these games and consoles there. There was nothing new to draw them. So uh, maybe the accessibility of gaming's just gone through the roof, hasn't it? It's, it's most of the things that were, you know, groundbreaking. Like I said 10 years ago, you can basically almost do in your front room now, or a company <laughs> can do it in a unit that's been rented out for the day. It's bizarre. I'm I'm waiting for the stage where I don't know if you guys have seen Ready Player One. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for that stage. I think that's when E3 will make a comeback and it will be virtual reality and we will all be there in in principle through a VR headset. Yeah, it's I'll crazy tell you to what, think that'd about. be interesting. That <laughs> be I'm waiting for that day. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I could get on a, a whole other tangent about that, but all I say is hopefully they, they work out some way to where um, a blind person can actually have their eyes 
be usable in a virtual reality setting where it's just like, yeah. hey, do you want your vision back? Just log into VR and we can have a setting in there that uh, links up your neurons or, you know, something so you can actually see. Awesome. Geordie LaForge off of Star Trek. I mean, everything that they've kind of suggested so far has come true, mate. So it's not going to be long and you're going to have a, a visor on um, <laughs> and it'll just cure your eyesight and you'll see better than all of us. Well, just wait for the Simpsons to say it and then you know it's coming. They have <laughs> yeah, that's true. Predictions. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. So, um, do you guys want to move on to the charts? Or obviously there was a, one more kind of little article I had there. Just curious if we should touch on that at all or if you want to get into the charts because I'm excited to take a look at the current charts and compare them to the past charts. Um, and Simon, you will be uh, leading, on, leading on that one, but uh, I'm excited. But uh, before we do that, uh, any thoughts on the other article or we, should we get into the charts? I say we move on to the charts. It, okay. It, even if we don't hit our time, it just means that with this trial run, it means that we know we have to carry on a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. You see what yeah. I mean? So yeah. if we don't hit that 60 bare minimum, we know that each segment is going to be roughly this and we either extend it or mm -hmm. retract it. All right. Well, then let's get into the charts. Um, Just a little bit of a background for this idea, because obviously I loved it when he suggested it. Simon's like, what if we kind of and this is like the clearest example I can think of is we kind of did like they do on the radio. They have, you know, they play the current top 40 songs of the week as of right now, but then they compare it to the top 40 back, say, in 1985. So it's like you have the top 10 of right now and then the top 10 of the past. And I love that idea so much that obviously both Chris and I said, we've got to do this. So Simon, since you're the brain, the brain father, tell us, let's get into some charts. What you got for us today, my friend. Well, I'll tell you what, Chad, Chris, we've got a fun packed chart for you this week. Um, so at n number 10, we've got Super Mario Odyssey. It just refuses to go away, that game. It's been around for ages. Um, and it's only dropped two places since last week. At number nine, one of all of our face favorites, God of War Ragnarok. Mm. I, I think that's going to be there a long time. That is a solid game. Um, and uh, it hasn't moved at number nine. Hmm. Number eight is EA Sports PGA Tour. Um, really? Yeah, apparently so. And this oh, is based on the total number of cells. Wow. Uh, so this, you know, this isn't anybody's particular thoughts on what games should be there. It's based purely on um, cells. Number seven, Gran Turismo 7 with a new entry. Mm. Um, again, fantastic graphics, amazing gameplay um everybody loves racing cars right yeah so yeah the movie's coming out soon i don't know if you guys saw that they have the, the live action movie coming out or it could have already come out but yeah that's gonna that's gonna be around for a while too <laughs> oh yeah. wow so it's going to be like a need for speed i guess mm -hmm. um which you know were a great game um games great uh movies 
So number six, we've got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I mean, mm. you're always going to get a, a Call of Duty in the in the charts somewhere because they, they just keep reinventing themselves. And we'll, we'll keep <laughs> discussing that later with regards to, you know, these games that are forever changing. Number five and a new entry, which is fantastic, The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, which surprised me. I, I would think that was uh, not only a new entry, but a re-entry into the charts. Because I, I think The Last of Us Part Two has actually been out quite a while since the, the PlayStation 4. So, um, yeah. yeah. Then we've got my favorite, Mario Kart 8 at oh, number four. You, you can't go wrong with a better Mario. The entire <laughs> family loves Mario, right? It's still... And then number three... Sorry, go on, Chad. Uh, I was just gonna say it's still the best-selling game on the Switch. Like it is, it's has still is outselling everything. Even seven years later, it's just insane. Yeah, I, I have to say, my my favorite version was actually when it came out on the Nintendo Wii, simply because you could have your controller in a, a steering wheel. And that that you know that just made the game so much better for everybody. It was it was it was just great. Uh, the next one is Harry Potter and Hogwarts Legacy. I haven't actually played that, but apparently it is. That's really annoying. Good. That is really annoying because I I put in about must be about sixty or seventy hours into that game, right? Yeah. And it's it is a great game. And then my PlayStation controller was unresponsive in the game. Oh. So I did a bit of research online and uh, people were like saying, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that and, and everything else. I'm trying everything because this save, I mean, there's a lot of time. Um, and eventually nothing worked. And someone said, right, if you upload your save to the cloud, which you have to pay $3.99 a month for, and then factory reset your ps5 and then re-upload your save then it should be there i did that and i lost my save oh and i haven't been back since i i need to forget what the game is about before going <laughs> back because i really don't want to do like twice over 60 or 70 hours great oh, game goodness. very annoying <laughs> that sucks but the fact that you paid 3.99 and still lost your game mate i mean <laughs> i instantly instantly cancelled that subscription <laughs> no, no, it's like no i don't need that and punched a hole in your wall yes i was oh. extremely annoyed so uh, i will go back to it um it apparently had a few bugs but it, it, it was a great game and that's not from a harry potter fan i i hate harry potter same but hogwarts something else is a great game right i i'm actually quite a big harry potter fan so uh we'll we'll move on from the hatred in the room <laughs> uh, uh number two and and i i have to say I'm, I'm kind of finding these things a bit of a cop-out and you know we'll, we'll come back to this when we're talking about our, our more serious theme uh later on but number two is resident evil 4 and mm. I, I kind mm. of find that remakes are kind of, are you running out of idea, guys? Because, you know, what made the great game great when it originally came out was the format, the way it played, the console it was on. And as soon as you update that to the Series X, S or the PlayStation 5 or whatever, okay, you've got the argument is bringing it to a new generation, but I, 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 I just think it's, you know, move on, guys. 
leave it alone. Absolutely, 100% mm-hmm. agree. I think there's a cutoff. I think if you're going to do a remake, it has to be old enough that it's it's almost, there's memories there, but you've kind of forgotten what goes on in that game. You loved it, but you don't know the, you don't know it like the back of your hand. So when it comes yeah. to the forefront and it's got these new exciting graphics, it's almost like a walk down memory lane with this shine to it. Um, certainly, I think uh, one that kind of slipped through the cracks and didn't abide by that rule was the uh, Like a Dragon. Uh, I, I can't pronounce what it's called, but it was set rather than in kind of modern day Tokyo City and that. It was kind of old school Tokyo back in oh, you know, that's the one mm-hmm. I can never pronounce it, <laughs> and you made it sound so easy. I'm a big fan that of that series, of went, <laughs> yeah. That that kind of went against the rule because it, it wasn't that long ago that it was released, but certainly, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, Simon. I think it's lazy, I think it's a cop out, mm-hmm. um, and I hate seeing them. Well, my, my problem I mean, I- with it is. You did you so you did four, but you also did one, two, and three. What's next? Five, six, even seven and eight, even though those are recent games. It's just like there's a trend here and it's obvious. And listen, I'm not gonna harp on the actress's performance because I know that's not her fault. That was the um director's fault, but it's like that was you know, that's a problem I have because now a beloved character. It's just, it's laziness, and it's it's they're not thinking things true. It's a cash grab. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I'm really concerned because you you've seen the news recently. A lot of the larger companies buying up what used to be the smaller indie companies, and I I think we're going to see a whole slew of really bad remakes that just lose the essence of what those games were all about. Yeah, it's worrying times. Mm -hmm. And then finally, this week's number one, up from number two. And I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of this particular game. And I I know there's going to be a lot of people out there that are, but FIFA 23. Uh, Okay, so that's good. We're we're all not fans of that game. (laughs) It sounds like. No. This this particular FIFA... um, I I mean, I've had a lot of fun on FIFA. In fact, there was a FIFA, and I'm not entirely sure which year it was, but one of the fun aspects of it was basically you took a picture of your face and you uploaded it to the EA website, and they would superimpose it onto your player. Mm-hmm. So we, we had uh, I had like 10 friends, and we all used to jump on to make like a pro team, and we'd play together against other pro teams. And, you know, the, the nice kind of gimmick that it had is that it all had our own faces as players so it was kind of cool but you know as it's gone on it's it's got more and more frustrating to play they haven't changed anything Mm -hmm. really for the last eight years so it's yeah i just i look at it and i go this is a waste of time but it still has its magic because my kids are playing it and it's like uh I, I mean, I, I mean that is how you uh, print cash because you know they sell it for fifty, sixty quid for the the Dulux edition, and then you buy it from CEX two weeks later at fifty p. So, you know, it's... <laughs> it's the last one though. It's is the it? last FIFA. Really? Yeah, yeah. Is it? 
yeah, there's there's no more FIFA. Uh, basically, FIFA have, have uh, recalled the license because they want to take the series over themselves. I know they're a football kind of uh, uh, parent that runs everything. Um, so they've they've pulled the license. EA are going to do their own game, but obviously oh, nice. without the licenses there. So it's going to be whatever FIFA come up with against what EA come up with. So, but FIFA mm. 23 is the last one. That's interesting. Oh, wow. I've always. I, I don't think you've played. Sorry, go on, Chad. Oh no, I was just say, I've always like, I played some of the EA Sports and FIFA games, but it's kind of just like, it's kind of even when they bring in new things, I just feel like it's the same game, just kind of like a new coat of paint, but like the old drawing is still underneath. If, if that makes any sense, it's just. I just don't see any reason to like every year buy basically what is the same game with just a couple of new bells and whistles. So it's as much as I've had fun playing those games, I just, I don't, I guess I just don't understand what's so magnetic about these titles. And trust me, I, it, these are popular games. I just don't get it though. When they've got such a short amount of time to work on a new title, it, it was for me. Eventually, I, you know, a new FIFA would come out and I'd get it alongside my mates. But that feeling got stronger and stronger each year that how much have they actually worked on here? They've updated some of the stats. They made each player age an extra year. But what what is actually different here? It almost feels like they've got dials, you know, how fast a player dribbles or what they do or how they shoot. And they've moved it over an inch and then gone there's the new fifa it's it, and that goes for all games to be honest if if something's getting released yearly you're thinking how much have you actually done mm-hmm. yeah i have to say it does strike me a little bit like the the sentence they used in tron the movie so what has changed about that os this year they put a different number on the box you know? <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So that's that's the up-to-date uh, charts for this week. Now, for the guest chart this week, I've gone all the way back to 1985. So this was when I got my first Spectrum. Um, and in May 1985, the chart was as follows. At number 10 was Blockbusters. I'll have a pee, please, Bob. Um, For those of you who are too young or are not from the UK, Blockbusters used to be a TV show where you had a grid of hexagons. Uh, Within each hexagon, you had a letter. And the aim of it was a team of two people versus a single player. And it was whoever could get from to the from the top to the bottom or the left to the right as a as a two-player team by going i'll have a pee please bob and there was always a bit of the joke around that and then you would get a question where the answer would be based on the letter p or the r or or whatever um so you know quite a simple game but in the 80s very very fashionable yeah very popular um, then I have to say, this is where my uh, research has really gone down the pan because I, I couldn't find a few of these games. But at number nine was Select One by Computer Records. So uh, I'm going to do some more research on that because I have no idea what it is. Something's firing off in my brain. 
but it's so distant that I I can't I can't get out. And I was three, I was three years old. So uh, that's <laughs> see, that's good because I um I was born in '93, so I was nowhere near even like thought of yet. <laughs> Maybe I was in a pram or something, just you know, pushed alongside the cassette that's that said selected. <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it's something's going on up here. So, so what I'm hearing right now, Chris, right, is Simon, you're old because I was twelve, and you had ten friends, right? I had no yep. friends. I was old, <laughs> and now now I'm just upset. <laughs> this was an opportunity and... for you to reinvent yourself, Simon. You could have had hundreds <laughs> of friends if you wanted, but no, stick with it. Yeah, no, I honestly, nobody wants to be friends with me. I'm a grumpy git at best time. <laughs> uh, right, at number seven was the side-scroller Zaxxon, uh, which was an amazing multicolored side-scroller. Um, you were like a, a spaceman sort of going across the land just blowing the crap out of stuff and let's face it we we all love games like that uh number six was night lore which was a 3d puzzle game um very much like head over hills where you'd wander around and you you had to go through different parts of the building to do different tasks in order to pass through to the next room the next one is a joystick smasher. I mean, if you didn't destroy several joysticks playing this game, you never really played it properly. And that's Daily Thompson's Decathlon. And oh, Daily yes. Thompson, you know, I mean, how could I you met not him as well. I met him in Stoke. Such a nice guy. <laughs> and I asked him to come mine for tea, and he very politely declined. So, yeah, I uh, I got fond memories of that game as well. I loved it. So Daley Thompson is an Olympic legend from the, the UK that did the decathlon. And, yeah. you know, he, he, well, who doesn't know Daley Thompson when they talk about the decathlon, really? Probably yourself, Chad. Legend. But, you know, I was it about was, to raise my hand. <laughs> 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 oh. Number four is Technician Ted. Uh, this is kind of a, a manic minor stroke jet set willy type game so you go through lots of different rooms uh, there was no real set way of doing it and there'd be lots of sort of puzzles that you'd have to get over sort of there'd be things flying above your head or very very uh, spot on timing needed for this game number three and one of my favorite tv shows of all time airwolf oh <laughs> I just love it, right? Airwolf, A-Team, Street Hawk, it's the way to go. And we're bound to have a segment on these at some point, you know, games after TV shows. It's got to be done. If anybody has any games or anything they want us to talk about, put it in the comments below the podcast and we will try and get back to you as much as possible. But, you know, fantastic game. Uh, the next one is called Day, um, and we'll move on quickly because, again, I couldn't find it. Um, probably didn't try hard enough, but there you go. And then finally, number one, Ghostbusters, which, again, was a fantastic side-scroller, very much like Spider-Man, actually, in the sense that, you know, you'd have things where you'd have to zap uh, the, 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 the ghosts uh, with your uh, electron fields or you'd be running to the right and going past obstacles and things like that. 
I could uh, never get amazing. go into the ghost trap. That was such a frustrating game. Which game, sorry, Chris? Ghostbusters. I could never get them into the trap. I remember catching Slimer, but could never get him into the trap. It was it was so frustrating, but that didn't stop me playing for hours because it was a game. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a great list. That's a stroll down memory lane. That's another yep, so, uh... discussion we'll have to do is um, games based off of movies. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, and there is a lot of those. Or movies based off of games. I mean, that seems mm-hmm. to be a trend at the moment, doesn't it? When you look at things like Pixels and uh, Racket Ralph, not really based on a game, but many games. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all retro. Yeah. And I, I love that. Because I think it appeals to what you know. It's got the colours and everything for the kids, and then all of a sudden you've got these Easter eggs for the for the old men like me and you, Simon. And you know, <laughs> I know some of those games. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know all of them, oh. but I know some of them. I know Street Fighter at least. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, and, and that came out in the nineties, didn't it? So yeah, it's a great game. Uh... That was awesome. So, I love that. That's so cool, Simon, that you could put this together for us. Yeah, no problem. And that is the charts of the week, Chad. Back to you. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really happy we decided to do this segment because it is, it's so much fun. You know, obviously with 85, I was not even born yet. So it's really cool for me to see what you guys were playing uh, as young kids or young teens (laughs) um but it's just really cool and i just love seeing where we were um as a gaming society and uh where we are now so it's i i love it this is so cool to be able to compare and contrast the different charts and trends well all righty we're gonna move on to a next segment now we don't have like the perfect name for it because we all think we could find a better name for it but right now we're calling it the curveball. And basically what the curveball is, is we're just going to say something about gaming. Basically kind of like, like it's like on the spot. Think of something after we ask you this question. Um, so basically Chris Lee Smith has today's curveball and he says he's, he's having a hard time thinking of which one to do. So hopefully he thought of which one he wants to do and then we'll have to do what he's been doing is thinking of our answers because we might not even have an answer right now. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see what this week's curveball is. So, Chris, what is it? What's the oh, curveball? Right. I, I've chosen, but I'm 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 doing this a little bit differently. Okay. So the first thing I want you to answer, both of you, are what are your top three non-Nintendo games? So you're already hitting Ooh. us with the hard questions. <laughs> Rough, um, roughly, what are your top three? Even if it, okay. you, you missed out so, your favorite that you kind of forgot. Okay. okay. Frontier Elite 2 uh, yep. by David Brabham's. Uh, I'd say that was my number one because uh, when I was younger, that was my go-to game in the 90s with my Commodore Amiga. Yep. Centipede by Atari. Okay. Love that game. Really, really simple. Um, and then finally, and I've got a copy of it here, is Qbert on the PlayStation. Wow. That's a blast. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I love the original uh, Atari game where, you know, it's very simple, jumping from square to square. But, you know, 
what the, the people hopefully listening will learn about me is I come from a much simpler era, you know, I, 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 <laughs> not on these big open worlds because I'm crap at it, right? <laughs> what about you, Chad? What are your uh, top three? All right. I, I've had a little bit of time to think. I might not get all of them, but I have at least three that I can say. If I had to say, like, number one, um, Ratchet and Clank. I love Ooh. this series to death. I have been playing it since it originally released. Um, I think it was in 2002. You know, 2001, 2002, obviously on the original P PlayStation 2. I still have all of my physical copies of those games on the PS2. Have all of them for the PS3. Um, obviously, if I had a PS5, I'd have the more recent one that just released. Um, but I love that series. And hands down, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I'm kind of cheating with number two because it's very similar to Ratchet and Clank. Um, but Jack and Daxter, uh, absolutely oh, okay. <laughs> love Jack and Daxter, uh, especially the later games, because uh, <laughs> those were actually my first games I ever played that had cussing in them. <laughs> so that was kind of a big deal for me back when I was a, a young little kid. Uh, but um, obviously, by Naughty Dog, um. Kind of a spiritual successor to Crash Bandicoot in many ways, um, yep. but love those games. And then this one will probably be a surprise to you both, um, but I'm going to go with Klonoa, Lunatis Veil, which was, um, I think, the third game released of the Klonoa series, which was created originally by Namco. And I absolutely love this game. They recently, for the Switch, released a collector's where it has both the original game, Klonoa, and Lunatis Veil. And I played the crap out of Lunatis Veil. Um, it was one of the games that I originally rented from like a movie gallery. And every time my, my time with the game was up, I would be right back, you know, purchasing more time. And I think I had this game for over a year just renting it and eventually <laughs> I, I bought it but it's just like hands down i spent so much time on just that single game so yeah that that's my top three all ps2 games <laughs> yeah well the curveball in this is you have to erase your top three games including anything that came prior or after in the franchise or you delete the entire nintendo library now, which option would you choose? Whoa, whoa, whoa. So I have to either erase my top three or I have to... Three, uh, the, the entire franchise. So if there was games you loved or maybe not quite as much, but sequels or prequels or anything like that, you have to erase all of them from existence or the entire Nintendo library. Simon, go first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Chad. I'm loving you, dude. <laughs> oh, you're killing me right now. This is um, so, so hard. You know, know. you know that's what, what curveball is all about. I mean, it's not called straight ball, is it? Because you just hit it out of the park. So, I, I, I actually think that I'm going to be able to explain this answer away when we get to our our wider discussion. But actually, I will say that I will drop my three games, and I would keep the entire Nintendo catalog. Okay. What about oh, you, God. Chad? That was not a long enough answer. <laughs> 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 this this is really, really hard for me. Um, because 
my first ever gaming anything was the Game Boy Color, and my very first game was Pokemon Red. So, I mean, my Ooh. first introduction to gaming was Nintendo. My first console I ever owned was N64. It was the Pokemon Stadium Bundle. I mean, Nintendo was my everything as a kid. I only had three games when I was growing up because we just didn't have a lot of money at the time. It was Pokemon Stadium, Paper Mario, and Banjo-Kazooie. And I just adore those games. But on the other hand, the PS2 was a Christmas present I got from my mother's brother. Um, and I loved Ratchet. You know, I, I love Jack and Daxter, um, Klonoa. But, you know, there's so many other games that came out on the PS2, like, you know, Kingdom Hearts, all the uh, Tony Hawk games that I played. So <gasps> this is not an easy curveball for me to answer because it's like, no matter what I pick, I'm losing a large punk. Um, part of what makes me the gamer I am today it's just kind of weighing okay which one is really more significant and that is just really hard for me to do um obviously you know this is hypothetical I, I don't I, have I, know, I know I know I know I know but you know for the sake because I don't want to be the one like ah I'm not going to give an answer I, I will give an answer and I guess I will say my top three even as much as it pains me to say that because when i think of okay well if there's no nintendo then there's no chat who's a gamer so that's kind of what makes me say very i gotta keep reason. nintendo and you've very, just very erased good. two of the largest franchises to i know. come out of the 90s i know wow. I, I know and it pains me <laughs> to do that it pains me to do that <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, as uncomfortable as that was, um, I'm looking forward to the revenge of whoever does it on the next episode being fired at me. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've set the bar. Yeah, uh, you did. You know... <laughs> oh, I've really got to think of because I'm the next one that I've really got because, oh, that was a doozy of a curveball. That was a true definition of a curveball right there. <laughs> I'm just that like, oh, tough. it's it's just gonna be our top three, you know. That's cool. And then you're just like, no, no, that's not the curveball, Chad. The curveball is race <laughs> something. And you're just like, oh no. That's the thing. when I pitched this, it was so you know happy and you know interesting, and I've just decided to erase you know the <laughs> game, a percentage of your gaming history in one fell swoop. This was not what I pitched. <laughs> I'm erasing childhood memories. <laughs> Chad's childhood disappears in a puff of smoke. I, I know. It's a good thing I didn't um pick Kingdom Hearts, or that would have really maybe even sadder. Yeah. <laughs> then again, I don't I don't so mind forgetting about Kingdom Hearts 3. Bam! Shots fired, but you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. So uh, let's get into and this is just something that I said off the fly, but I think we should stick with it because, you know, we want to come up with some like gaming titles for these segments. And I think the serious Sam subject is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, so this is the part of the podcast where, you know, we honestly just have a really in-depth conversation. We pick something. Uh, honestly, it can be one thing or it can, you know, just depending on, how much time you really want to give 
it. We could get into other things, but I was thinking, um, obviously for today's, you know, debut episode, this is something that we actually talk leading up to today's uh, actual recording of this first episode. And you kind of mentioned it, Chris, with um, Jedi Survivor. You mentioned how you felt that maybe a little bit more time could have been spent on this game. You know, you, you said it's a great game. You've had so much fun with it, but you've noticed a couple things where you're like, maybe it wasn't completely um, release ready. And that brings me back to one of the articles I had, um, possibly for the topic of the day. And that is Phil Spencer basically saying he is super upset with Redfall. Um, obviously, for those that um, haven't heard of this game, it was something they were highly anticipating would be successful. Um, kind of like a co-op, um, like horror zombie mashup kind of survivor or whatever you want it to be. And basically what happened was they they promised, one, that co-op play would be perfect because this game is heavily revolved around co-op play and it barely supports it. And they thought that they had 90 frames per second, but it only does 60 frames per second. So in terms of ready to release, it would seem that this game was not ready to release. Maybe just because of the core design, maybe would have never truly been up to what they were expecting or anticipating that this game would do and ship. And it just makes me think of the comments you recently had on Survivor. And this is something that I think we can definitely get into is it really does seem that nowadays, right now, that a lot of games are being released and they are not ready for release. And again, you mentioned it, you mentioned another game that fits perfectly into this, and that's Cyberpunk. You know, we thought this, this is the second coming of gaming. It releases, it's not ready to release, it flops. Now they've built on it. They've patched it. They've you know fixed bugs, and from what I've heard now is that it's a phenomenal game to play. However, can you get rid of that initial release? And you know I'll kind of just leave the floor open for whoever wants to come in and you know start this discussion. But you know what are our thoughts on kind of a bad trend that is becoming more prevalent, and that is games that really are not ready to be released. I, I think a lot of this boils down to the, the types of um, games manufacturers that you've got. Um, because, you know, in the in the past, you used to wait for a game to come out. You know, games would come out sort of a year, two years apart. You know, there'd be a big hype train running up to them and they would focus on the gameplay and making sure that it's right. But since we've had the introduction of things like the the Fortnites of the world and the Rocket Leagues, where, you know, they've got new seasons every couple of months, you know, new things for people to do, new graphics, new characters, new weapons. A lot of the older um, studios are trying to do that with paid games mm -hmm. and i don't think it works because those gaming experiences were never really developed for that kind of fast-paced production so they, they've kind of been forced into it but i think 
one of the fallbacks of that is they're actually doing themselves a lot of harm because, you know, everything is about the launch. You know, cyberpunk was going to be a multi-billion dollar on the first weekend kind of sell. And they did achieve it, but then they had to give it all back when people said, I want my money back because it's rubbish. I mean, it was the same as Battlefront. And you're seeing this time and time again. I mean, the the thing Fortnite's got, for instance, and, and I hate to compare it to FIFA, but there's not that much change, really. The themes are the same. The The way in which the game plays is the same. It's really just the skins and the, the way in which the environment looks. But the mechanics of the game is identical. So, you know, even though you think to yourself, oh, well, you know, it's changed quite a lot. I bet in the back end, it's not changed that much until, you know, they come to a brand new season and they introduce new mechanics, whether that's, you know, you're in space and you've got less gravity uh, or whatever. And when you look at some of these massive um, games, um, they, they just can't keep up. And they're, they're trying to do them every sort of six to eight months. And it, it just doesn't work. What do you think? Chris? Say, there's, um, there's a corporate cancer that's infected the gaming industry. And it's, it's affected it in a way where developers, um, the studios themselves, they've got shareholders. And obviously, all of these these big games are expected to give a return. Mm-hmm. So, talking from like years ago, maybe Mega Drive and PlayStation ones, they were given ample time to 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 really get a game right. But I think as we moved on and technology's moved on, and you know, shares and money makes the world go round. We're not talking kind of hundreds of thousands. We're talking hundreds of millions, billions even. So when you've got studios who are are under immense pressure to give back a return towards shareholders, not only that, but as you said, the free games where they're doing a little tweak here, a little tweak there, and suddenly, you know, painting something that used to be red is now yellow and people are paying for it. It's, it's almost putting undue pressure on them for the them all to follow suit. So they've got to get these these games out as quick as possible so we can move on to the next project, which will obviously then give us more money. That's what it's all in essence of, about now gaming is what can we get back to pay the people that have invested in this? The more time we take, the more money we lose because these studios, they have 200, 300, 400 people working on games. And that in itself is chaos. I mean, there's horror stories about these, Mm -hmm. these huge studios where they don't treat their, their workers right. But when you go back to kind of spectrum days, it may have been one, two guys who were coding for the passion and the love and money was a byproduct of these things. So, like I said, I think there's a cancer in the gaming world, uh, in in the development of it, and I think money and and corporate greed is at the very centre of that cancer. Mm, yeah. Do you think that modern gaming has kind of lost the essence of what makes gaming so good in the first place? Because 
fantastic graphics and things only go as far and you know there's always battle of the consoles um, yeah. and you've sort of got your your xbox and the playstation and they're kind of vying for the the leading edge graphics you know they want smokes to look like real smoke kind of thing and yet you've got the likes of nintendo which i actually have almost kept true and you know we we won't talk about the scruples of these individual companies but just the the way in which they approach it the games do have a lot more of retro feel to them the gameplay is exceptional the graphics are dialed back a little bit but not too much that it just seems ridiculous and they just create franchises that are loved by everybody and is continuing and i, I just don't feel that the other um consoles or studios are actually able to keep up or even achieve what Nintendo's doing at the moment. Nintendo have a snobbery. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, at, at one stage, I don't think that was a particularly good thing. But now it's it's almost the last kind of arm that's holding on to the past mm-hmm. that, you know, we will get that game out when we say it's fit. Yeah. And because the rest of the landscape now is just chaos and uh, just complete mess, Nintendo doing this now is kind of like, you know what, good on them. Because what you are promising, you are pretty much the only one that's delivering on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom just released, you know, um, on the 12th of you know this month. And that was a game where, you know, they announced it very early. We knew it was coming, um, but they showed so little of that game until they were really ready to start, you know, giving us idea of like, okay, here's what's going to look like. Here's some new gameplay mechanics. And then obviously it releases and I mean, it's just getting rave reviews, you know, just left and right. Um, it's just interesting because, you know, as a visually impaired gamer, I could give two craps about how a game looks because I guess, you know, I can't see it. So it's just like, <laughs> I don't care if you got 90 FPS, you can play the game at 8K. It, it, that's lost on me. I don't, you know, that means nothing to me. It's more about how does your game perform? Like, what is the performance of your game? Does everything that you've said that your game can do? Does it do it? And does it work right? Um, So like that's, for me, it's like, I think we're so in our minds of we've got to make these games look amazing. Just immaculate chef's kiss on every little thing, detail. It's just like, Hmm. but then how much time is that pulling away from you polishing the core gameplay mechanics? You know, your UI elements. It's like, are you taking enough time on the entire product? Or are you really picking and choosing and then that's what leads to what um they refer to in the industry as a death march it's like literally all right we've got a month until the game launches we are not ready for this everybody you're working 20 hours days until this game's released we're going to get it shipped out whether it's ready or not we gotta go and then it's just like well that's just a shit game it's a shit environment and uh there's no reason that the game wasn't ready to uh release because you guys just you didn't manage the production and the development of it right so you know as much as i don't like nintendo really not focusing a lot on accessibility options and really making their games universally 
inclusive for disabled gamers, they kind of are the last frontier in this current landscape of gaming where, you know, as much as, you know, some of the actions they do are really, you know, like, mm, I don't know about that. They kind of are the last retainers of the true magic of gaming, in my opinion. I, I think one of the things that I find really funny now is you buy the most expensive version at £90 and we'll let you play the beta version for free. And it's like, <laughs> hang on a minute, I, I'm paying you 90 quid six months before the game comes out so I can play a game that is most likely going to suck. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it always is. But I think it's gone... I think the graphics and games have gone too far. And I actually had this thought when I was playing uh, Jedi uh, Survivor. And uh, it wasn't until I, I glanced at the background, because it, it is absolutely gorgeous. But I only glanced once and then paid no attention to what it is. It was so detailed. It was this beautiful kind of um, landscape with uh, one of the kind of a Star Wars huge ship in the background. I, I can't imagine how much time was spent constructing that background that I only glanced at for a few seconds to admire, mm. never to look at it again. And then you look at uh, a lot of the Nintendo games where they they seem to, to know the secret with that, that, you know, we, we, we can only focus on kind of what we're doing. And most of the time, if it, in a particular game, it's on our character who we control you know what's coming our way what we need to dodge what we need to maybe avoid or jump or something like that so to have all this extravagant stuff in the background is kind of like it's just there's no point there really is unless it improves the gameplay the actual experience that is a waste of time if i wanted to see that i'd stick it in google images don't put it in my <laughs> game don't waste your time developing that yeah I think we're just conditioning gamers the wrong way. And now their expectations of what a good video game can be has completely shift. You know, there's almost like a paradigm shift in terms of, oh, what a game needs to look like or feel like when it releases where, you know, maybe we're just old, you know, fuddy duddies stuck in the nostalgia days, but it's just like, I don't know, like those older games still hold up to this day. And I mean, their graphics aren't great, but the gameplay is still there. Um, so I don't know. And Simon, on your on your end, like I hate the feeling I get with a lot of modern games. It's like, okay, I know going into this game is not going to play right. So I'm basically, I feel like a lot of times I'm paying for a game just so they can make the game better to re-release it so then I can buy it again. I don't like that feeling. <laughs> I don't like feeling like yeah. I have to help the developers make more money off of a shit game so they can make the game good like it should have been. The the thing is, I think I'm quite lucky. Um, I mean, being a, somebody that really likes retro games anyway, simply because it was my time, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I love all the glitz and the glamour of all the, the latest games and things, but I, I just don't have the patience to sit down for 90 hours and play the same game. Um, whereas, you know, there's been a real, um, if you like, revolt really against the, the traditional gaming platforms and things because you're seeing a lot more 
retro platforms being updated upgraded you've got things like the spectrum next you've you know you've got the mini nezzes you've got the the mini amiga 500s where you're getting a lot of homebrew titles where you're getting better graphics but you're sticking with the traditional mechanics mm -hmm. where it's all about the gameplay and it's about the author's love for what they're putting in it rather than I'm trying to keep a, a load of shareholders happy. <laughs> and I, I do wonder, you know, you, you see these different fads and, you know, games will get better and we'll have VR and then, you know, if we're really lucky, we'll get to see some sort of holographic system like they have in Star Trek. But I, I also think these traditional games where you know they're just simple arcade shoot 'em ups mm -hmm. you're a spaceship you're in a side scroller and you're blasting aliens and you'll get different aliens come at you the further you go through it get harder and then you'll get bigger things i love those games you know if i've got half an hour in the day where i'm not working or i'm not arguing with the kids or they're not arguing <laughs> with me because i've done something stupid like dad should i can go and take half an hour 45 minutes and I can be satisfied with my gaming. Whereas if I play something where, you know, it's a 30 or 40 hour game, I can't put it down because you <laughs> always get to a point that you want to know what's bloody happening next. <laughs> and I, I, I just don't, I, I just can't, my, my head just won't let me do that. I, Chris, I, that I understand. Well right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I, I I'm firmly in that bracket where I I need to find out what's next. But I think for me, uh, and I, I I don't know whether it's it, I've certainly heard of other gamers doing it, but I don't know how common it is. But for me, it's almost like you're tidying a mess, especially mm. with the open world games. You know, there's all these kind of little bits that you've got to collect, and I like the fact that you know I can go from a, a main mission story where I can progress, but instead I'm going to go and do this kind of side quest to break the monotony or to get through a game too quick. So I'll kind of go on a, uh, a, a spring clean of a particular <laughs> area or something like that. And, and that's what I enjoy, but certainly I think um, some of the, some of the games that I've spent the most time on, um, they have been, the graphics haven't been great. They, they, they in fact, they, they've been quite lackluster, but not enough to go. I don't want to play this because the craft, uh, the graphics are too bad. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, there was a top-down which I've tried searching for, and I can't find it anyway. And how it hasn't made it in the in the top thirty-five zombie games, um, I don't know. But I did spend about sixty hours on this, and it's basically almost like a survival top-down very cartoony graphics but you've got to uh you've you've got to kind of get stuff for ingredients so you need to get this this and this and you'll be able to make i i don't know a cabin and you need this this and this to make a weapon uh and then you've got to kind of do missions in the meantime to to open up the map and stuff and i spent a long time on that and that is kind of a perfect example where graphics aren't the main kind of draw they almost seem like a gimmick they're, they're, they're kind of the only thing i can i can and it will probably uh make more sense to you simon they, they kind of 
it's almost like when a Spectrum game had this fantastic artwork on the cassette. Mm-hmm. And the game was nothing like obviously what the artwork was, but this what this is what kind of the yeah exactly right yeah like jetpack right yeah jetpack yeah he's that's what he's showing a picture of, but it it almost feels like it's a shop window now. Graphics are a bit like how Spectrum had that fantastic artwork, and you know it's it's a shame it really is because I don't think it needs it. Mm. No, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I mean, the artwork was something that people go for. And, you know, just out of interest, I was looking at what the rarest games were. And you've got things like the original Mario Brothers from the <laughs> NES going for nearly $2 million. Oh, my God. In a perfect condition. Right. I did get excited because at one of them, they had um, Atari 2600 ET, uh, which was going for several hundred dollars um and they they because it was such a bad game and it was a really i was bad about to game. say I mean, isn't that like anything. one of the worst games ever like has like i see that on so many like top 10 worst games of all time and et is like number one or two always and I, i'll tell you what it is absolutely the worst game of all time it doesn't do anything <laughs> you're et you're pretty much in a in a in a pit and that's it that that's that's the game um and it was so bad that Atari threw thousands of unused cartridges or unsold cartridges into the tip. Oh well, one God. day somebody found the tip and they've now got a copy of that in the Smithsonian. And wow. for one of these tip copies, you're looking at thousands of dollars. And it's like, it's a shit game, guys. <laughs> it's, it's the worst game going. What is going on? But, you know, you don't have the... I mean, I really love books. And with games now, yeah, you get a flimsy bit of card in with your games if you buy, if you happen to purchase a real... But, you know, in my Frontier Elite 2, I've got a 60-page annual that gives you all the lore of the game, and it tells you how all the controls work. Oh, man. I always used to get the books. Mm. Yeah. Because it added to the game. It was so good. I mean, a lot. I think the last one I bought, it was a long time ago, which was Final Fantasy. And the amount of hours that I just, you know, I, I, I usually read in bed and stuff, but I, I played the game and then I'd look at the book and I'd be like, it, it would tell you like detailed descriptions of each monster and, you know, the yeah. background of it and, and what its attacks were and, and all this. And I'd be reading it. And I, I'd be so engrossed in in just finding out more information of a game that I'm playing, um, it's. I, do they do that anymore? I don't. I don't no. think they do. do I they? don't. I don't know. I mean, so if you're talking like Prima strategy guides, like which I loved back in the day, I bought every like accompanying strategy guide to every game. The last one I can remember out of strategy guides having bought was when they did the release of Majora's Mask 3D. I mean, they had a thick, I mean, <laughs> thick book guide. And I mean, I just looked through that just like, I knew how to play that game. It's just like looking at all oh, our, you know, different ways to play. But you know, the thing that I also really miss about games, and this is going to sound so stupid, but the little pamphlet book that you would get with the game that would be um 
um in front of the game like it was like uh, like like a little almost like a manual but i had like some information mm-hmm. a little bit of the story the settings i miss getting those i really miss getting yeah. those um cuz you don't get those with games anymore but when i i would i would read through those and i, I looked like probably the biggest dork like why are you reading like this little like pamphlet that really doesn't do anything for you in the game i'm just like i don't know i just I is, it, is it it's almost like the equivalent the experience. Of, do you remember the um kind of i, I don't want to say old movies uh, old movies but certainly like the early noughties and throughout 70s 80s and 90s they they had this kind of voice that explained the movie do you remember that like kind of voiceover um yep that's what it felt like with the games that had the pamphlet. It was almost setting up the game before you got to play it. It, it created that excitement where you go, right, I'm I'm ready for this. <laughs> girl <laughs> meets alien. Alien falls in love with girl. Yeah. Girl <laughs> dies. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean it was it was part of the experience, you know? You could before you got home you could already start to enjoy the gaming experience. Mm-hmm. That is what I used to do. Mm-hmm. I would buy the game and I would literally on the bus, I'd be reading that pamphlet, <laughs> you know, just trying to kill the time until I get home and put that disc in. Ah, oh, yeah, those were good times. Yeah, really, really good. That's that's more back some memories. Yeah. So I, I guess our serious Sam subject has kind of devolved a little bit, but... I mean, it's still very applicable to the overall subject I was kind of hoping we could touch on. And it's just, you know, games, obviously, they're not made the same. And honestly, that's just how it goes. You know, innovation takes over and there's different ways to make it, different ways to market it, and obviously different ways to release it. But I think that somewhere along the way, we've lost a very integral part of you know, the release window and the development schedule. And I just really think that we have now conditioned gamers to accept kind of this piss poor situation that we're in. It's like, you know, like I always joke and say, I know whenever I buy a Bethesda game, I know for at least the first year that game is going to have so many bugs and so many broken aspects of it, but I'm going to buy it anyways because I want to play it. But I guess that makes me a part of the problem, but I guess I've just, you know, like I'm saying, I'm I'm kind of conditioned. Like I already know this game's broken. Obviously they're going to fix it and it's going to be great. And I want to play it. So I guess I'll just get it now and play it broken while they work on it. So that way I don't have to wait until it's completely fixed to play it. So I don't know. I just think we have been conditioned to kind of accept the current landscape of gaming and uh, I don't think it's necessarily the best thing, but I don't know. Is is there really like a bad or wrong in terms of the current market? I guess some would there say is, yes, some would say no. There is there is a little bit of grace mm-hmm. to this whole situation, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we've actually discussed it at all. But that's still there is a still a huge market for indie games. Yes, and there is. Yep. Very I'm so happy you brought that up because in the back of my mind, I'm like. This is why indie games and indie companies are kind of taking over the world of gaming. Uh, Because honestly, in my opinion right now, the best games that are being released are indie games. Within the last five, 10 years, I would say a lot of my like game of the years 
have been indie games and like you know there's nothing wrong with last of us part two or ragnar uh, you know god of war ragnarok but just like man there are so many indie games that i'm just like you know as good as those triple a games are there's that one indie game that i just think is a little bit better yeah absolutely and i think indie games uh, and again it's it is real shame but the indie games are kind of like the little fish mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're too small to be caught just yet but if they do something special, someone comes along and snaps them up or brings them in as part of the studio or takes the team away. So they're in this very difficult situation where they could make a real perler of a game. And then all of a sudden this game makes some noise. And then, you know, it could be, we're going to buy these guys out because yeah. they're either talented or we're threatened mm -hmm. by these guys or a rival studio is going to do it. And we're going to lose everything that they would have brought along. Mm. So indie games is great, but I don't like the conveyor belt that it's got. I'd like these guys to stay not not small, but certainly yeah. to stay to their roots, where yeah. that they're doing it for. I, I think because of their side, they're doing it for the passion. They're yeah. doing it for the passion. On the other side of it, and I looked uh, yesterday night on the PlayStation Store, there is some awful trash out there there <laughs> oh i mean i uh i i despair at what they're allowing on um the the shop run mm. it's it's awful um and i wish i'd have written the name of it down but there's a, a kind of musical game which i'm not entirely sure how you play it almost looks like you're watching a music video but there's no prompts or anything like that. It's bizarre. And if, you, <laughs> if you've got a PlayStation and you look, you'll know exactly the game I'm talking about. So rough with the smooth, but I, I love indie games. I really do. Mm -hmm. the, the thing with indie games is they need the platform on which gets them out there yeah um, and I, I, I hate to say it, but this is kind of where the likes of Apple with their app store okay granted you know they take a lot of money from the the developers but actually because they give them that platform it kind of works and nintendo i have to say when i go on the nintendo shop yes uh, a lot of the games are the big heavy hitters like mario or zelda or whatever but then you've got literally hundreds of you know self-published games that have been done by these indie companies and you know you can see them and a lot of them are really good and you get to trial them and things like that. Um, and you don't it feels have like the eBay bugs. though. It, it, at times <laughs> it feels like eBay. It does because you've you've got these eBay. It, at, at times it feels like they're, they're blatantly ripping off an idea of what somebody else has done, and in, in yep. a really bad way. It's like Levi jeans, but they've decided to spell it with two eyes. It's, it, <laughs> It's, it's bizarre because they're taking these old formats, kind of rejigging it about a little bit. Yeah. They've kind of got the mechanics, but it's not the same as the original. And then they just slap it on the store. And it's kind of like, that'll do. Hopefully that'll make a few quid. Let's go rip off another idea. I, <laughs> I, I really hate it because that's someone's hard work. That's someone's idea and creativity yeah. that they've poured the heart and soul in. And they've just basically butchered it for a few quid i hate that see i and hate I, the that's kind of... 
No, I was going to say that kind of brings us back to the discussion we're starting in the beginning with remakes. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, we've run out of ideas. We're going to take something that was amazing and add a little mediocre twist to it to bring it to the new consoles. And I, it, it, it just gets to me. It just it just bugs me. When a game is just made and the only people involved are the art department, that that's yeah. not a game. That is not. It's good. This is our game from 2004. Um, could you just jazz it up a bit so we can re-release it? That is yeah. not, that does not deserve any recognition. It, it's like movies. Total Recall with Arnold oh, yeah, Schwarzenegger yeah. should never have ever been remade. Right? No, ever. No, I absolutely agree. But they did it anyway. And, you know, in so many ways on paper, it was superior, you know, better graphics, better actors, although Arnie would probably deny that, you know, and yet it was, uh, pardon the French guys, it was awful. Yeah, it was, it was bad. It was so bad. But that's what I think that's what gaming is. And, And it goes back to my original point. When the gaming industry is infected by corporate greed, mm-hmm. things will never change. And, you know, it, it's these, the tentacles of this corporate greed is, is just infecting everyone. And the only ones that are standing proud are Nintendo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because they were always the butt of the joke. It's just like, Oh, Nintendo, you know, they are nothing compared to Sony or they're nothing compared to Xbox. But I mean, you know, I mean, you didn't mention this article that I, you know, had sent to everybody, but the Switch has now sold $69 billion, $74 billion when you all, you know, add in, you know, additional things. Set, but basically, it is closing in on $1 trillion. That is insane. And when you compare it to the sales of Microsoft and Sony, you know, the conversation has switched. Oh, Microsoft can't compete with Nintendo nowadays. Or Sony, oh man, it's lost a lot of steam. Look at Nintendo. So it's just really funny to see how those companies that really have kind of bought into like, you know, more of the corporate formula, they've they're seeing a lot of dips and they're seeing a lot of blowback. And then there's Nintendo standing tall above it all, saying, like, yep, yep, you never let us eat at the big kids' table, but look at us now. <laughs> I think um, what what Nintendo have done, and they've stuck to their guns, which is really impressive, but mm-hmm. what Microsoft and PlayStation have, have kind of tried to, to, almost in a propaganda sort of way, is that graphics, graphics, graphics. Mm-hmm. And it's got to a stage now that, you know, it is amazing the graphics i mean they're they're so lifelike that how much further can you push the (laughs) graphics front and say that we've got this and we've got that and it's come full circle where nintendo are going well we've we've got this but i mean just play it and you'll be hooked and then microsoft and playstation are going look at this um like me with jedi survivor i looked for three seconds and (laughs) never looked again so when you've got these two kind of uh, business plans, they're winning out just solely because they've stuck to their guns and they always knew they were right. Mm-hmm. I think they've been, as as Nintendo have always been, geniuses because they. I think they predicted this was going to happen. 
it's 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 possible. I mean, when you go back to like the like the heyday of gaming, like Nintendo was able to survive the gaming market crash, and you know that back in the day was you know that was terrible for the industry, and you know nearly killed it right as it was beginning. But again, they kind of I think had in their minds like they they knew where they were steering the ship and they had the destination set it's just you know it might take us a little while to get there but if we stay the course you know we're going to come out of this storm completely fine and i think that's literally what they've done and and you're never without your nintendo right whereas if you want to play xbox or you want to play the games on your xbox you need about three different formats <laughs> yeah to do it your Nintendo, you have your Nintendo, you play it in the car, you play it on holiday, you plug it in the dock, you've got it on your big TV. It's almost Absolutely. one system to rule them all, you know? It is. And uh, to a certain extent, uh, uh, definitely Microsoft, they've tried to emulate what Nintendo have done with, mm -hmm. um, with playing uh, mobile. So um, there is, I, I can't, I, I can't remember what the actual title is, but basically this kind of an app and, and everything else. And I've played Xbox games through my iPad and Bluetoothed my Xbox pad to the iPad. So it's almost the same thing. Um, so they've, they've tried to emulate what the Switch are doing. But the problem with that is, you can't emulate the gameplay of a Nintendo game. You can you can try and copy the concept, but unless it's Nintendo and the magic they produce, it's it's just a poor imitation. It goes back to my analogy of eBay. That's what Xbox are doing. So um, yeah, long may they rule Nintendo. <laughs> no, I, yes. I think that kind of and and just one last comment from me. I think that kind of limits the the audience as well because Thor, um, the Gods of War Ragnarok, you know, it's crap on a small screen. Yep. You have to have a much larger screen to truly enjoy it. Um, simply because of the complexities behind the graphics and, and the things like that. Um, whereas Nintendo, you can watch it on any screen and the playability is amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's a tricky situation to sort through and it's an environment in a landscape that is very blurry right now. And I think it's only going to continue to get more blurred um, but I really do hope that there can be a balance because I think if gamers can become a little bit smarter to what is going on and how, you know, basically capitalism is in a way kind of ruining, you know, current gaming. I don't know. I'm trying to find a way to wrap this up, but basically what I'm trying to say is, you know, really hopefully games can get the love and appreciation they deserve from the beginning when they are being produced and developed and hopefully um you know the more and more uh gaming moves forward hopefully gamers of the old days as we're probably going to be referred to those old school <laughs> gamers in their old school ways but i just hope that the the industry understands that our complaints are valid and that they just need to do a better job of skirting the line between um, 
you know, the magic of old school gaming and the trends of, you know, mainstream gaming. And I really think they're going to have to come to an impasse and ask, what do we value more in this current landscape of gaming? And I think some people are not going to like the answer that they give because it's not the one they want to give. Completely 100% agree. I think uh, the, the final comment from me, I think that the gaming industry, the studios have all followed suit almost out of a fear that they're going to miss out on a slice of the pie. And I think if, I think there's a couple of studios that actually do it this way and they make fantastic games. If they took the time and they got things right, I think it would bring in just as much money as a poorly executed game that they've rushed out. And if they they just twigged that, unfortunately, the only language they understand is if gamers talk with if they buy it or not. And I mm. think there's too many naive gamers out there that will continuously make the same mistake and just pray that the game is ready when it's, it, it, it's, it's once in a blue moon. A hundred percent. Well, my fellow blokes, I'm so happy that we could record this amazing episode. And I'm super happy for anybody that listens to this very first episode. I am just so happy that I can be doing this with two amazing friends of mine, the amazing Chris Lee Smith, uh, who is a, obviously a part of the Grumpy Kids podcast um, and doing some other amazing things in the background. Of course, my other awesome friend the man himself simon o'gorman of dapped it i'm so happy that we could put this podcast together uh i had so much fun and i kind of want to do it again like tomorrow but i know that it's not going to happen because we you know <laughs> we've got a schedule and everything but um i really enjoyed this first episode and i just really thank you guys for joining me and being some fellow blokes to talk about gaming so uh thank you guys so much and uh to those that are listening, we thank you too. And hopefully we'll see you again next time for another amazing episode of Three Blokes, One Console. Um, but if you know anybody that would love to listen to this podcast, please do let them know they can find it on anywhere you basically get your podcast, whether that be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or even Audible. Check it out. It's Three Blokes, One Console. And again, it is with myself, Chad Bowden of Unsighted Radio, Simon O'Gorman of Adapt IT, and Chris Lee Smith, who is, of course, a part of the Grumpy Gets podcast. Guys, if you have any final words you want to say, please do so. But for me, I say thank you so much, and hopefully you'll press start on another brand new level of the podcast. Thanks a lot, all. See you on the other side. See you on the next episode. All right. Ciao, guys.